Welcome back to the Internet Kids podcast. Today, I am with the boy, Griffin Dewar, Mason's brother. You guys have probably heard the Cardinal Mason episode. Um, he's mini Mason, even though he's bigger and jacked and ripped and makes Mason look like a little clown. Um, so yeah, Griff, happy to have you here. We we met, what, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago in Miami. And I'd heard a lot about you. It might have been almost exactly a month ago today. Yeah, I think it was right in the middle of uh, December. So I'm excited to have you on here. Copywriting legend. You're a big coach in Mason's program. I know you've written copy for a bunch of pretty big clients. Um, so let's just hop right into it. Starting off kind of with your origin story. Like, how did you get into this world of online business, copywriting, all that? Yeah, dude. I mean, so a lot of people started up with the how to make money online Google search. That was not me. My brother did that first. And then he got into like the whole the whole thing. So I remember when he first started talking about copywriting it was probably like 2018 or 2019, which would have been prime time to get into it, to be honest. So I wish he had taken action then so I could have hopped on the wave sooner. But he like got super into like the OG money Twitter guys, like the Nate Schmitz of the world. Yeah. Real OGs will know Nate Schmidt. But he had been talking about it for a long time. And then eventually he dropped out of school the second time just to like pursue it. And I was still in school and I was like, fuck this. Like he's making more now by sitting on the couch than I will if I graduate. So I was like, let me let me hop on this wave. So he put me on. Um, he introduced me to this e-com company that was, that was looking for an in-house employee. And mm -hmm. I, I, it was a social media manager position. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like I love social media. I use it all the time. So I applied, they made me do a test project and I completely fucked it. Like I was writing the strangest stuff. I, I didn't know anything really about social media management. And so they were like, what the fuck? But I guess the guy saw something in me because they took somebody else for that position. And then six months later, hit me back up and they were like, hey, we have another position that's open. I think you'd be a perfect fit. And I replied immediately. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, so I worked with them for it was a three month unpaid internship, but I was just studying under like one of the best marketers. I still know to this day, just one of the best like online business people in general. He just knows everything. And so I, I learned a lot kind of under his wing eventually moved on to working at a bunch of agencies i did that for like a year and then when i finally got fired from the last agency i worked at i was like fuck it let me try this freelance thing so i kind of jumped in from there and i think it gave me a huge advantage just having all that agency like back-end experience already having a proof of concept and then i went in and i got my first few clients really really fast that's sick um I think something that comes up so frequently that isn't talked about enough is like actually working for an agency or working at an e-com brand, like kind of part-time, full-time before like being a freelancer or starting your own agency or doing any of that stuff. Cause I did the same. I worked with two guys that were running their own agency. Same thing as you, like an unpaid internship basically for a while and eventually like obviously showed that i know what i'm doing with some stuff helped them make a ton of money they started paying me worked my way up with them uh but i feel like there's so much value in that and no one talks about it like everyone on twitter is just like oh like learn this skill and then go get clients 
when in reality, like the best path for 99% of people is learn this skill, like learn the basics, go get an internship or a part-time job or like whatever you can get at an agency or a brand, learn from the people there. And that's where you actually get good at the skill. Cause like, yeah, you can take courses, you can read books and you can definitely learn a lot from those, but you get way better at closing copywriting running ads by doing that actively every day for clients. Uh, and so many people don't talk about that. I'm curious if you want to share like how or why did you get fired from the agencies? <laughs> so they were, they brought on a new copywriter because they were scaling super, super fast. They're one of the biggest agencies in the space now. Yeah. And it was like, I was the last hire and then it was this girl. And there was an account that I was working on and they were a supplement company. And now I love supplement companies because they don't really, most of them don't give a fuck about compliance. They're like, whatever. Uh, these guys were the opposite. They were sticklers about everything. Every single word they were going in and be like, you can't say this, you can't say this, this needs an asterisk. I hated them. And every copywriter who ever worked with them hated them and just prayed that this, this account got passed off to somebody else. And so I was on a call, team meeting, all hands they're announcing that we, they got a new copywriter and i go how excited is, is she to take this brand like i i said that i was like how how hyped is she to take supplement brand and they both just like the two heads of email just stared at me nobody laughed i was like right guys and they were like Anyway, and they just kept talking. And then immediately after the call ended, I got two very angry Slack messages being like, that was not funny. That was very out of line. You cannot say that. Um, I was like, okay, whatever. And then I think there was just a lot of stuff that went on where they were like kind of mildly annoyed at things I had said. And then three months after I made that remark, they were like, hey, uh, it's not going to work, basically. They removed a Google workspace, the Slack, like everything. So I had, when I went to go start freelancing, I had nothing. I had like no samples of anything because they just took me out of everything. If you like the stories on this podcast, you'd absolutely love my free weekly email newsletter. You can sign up at harryswales.com. I write about how I've scaled two marketing agencies, my crazy stories from traveling all over the world, and a ton more. I put tons of effort into this podcast for you guys, and all I ask in return is that you take one second to join that free email list at harryswales.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S-W-A-L-E-S.com, and now back to the episode. That really sucks. But that's also so funny. And I think it's probably both just because we're immature dudes. But like, I love shit like that so much. Like, that's just why I like working for myself so much. And why I like freelancing so much better than a job like that, honestly. Is because like, if I say some shit like that, and a client is pissed about it, like, fire me. I have nine others. Like, yeah, get fucked, basically. I'm, I'm okay to not work with you if you don't like my jokes that are like kind of asshole jokes like yeah and so, like i'm not trying to be rude i'm not trying to be mean i'm sure you weren't like trying to actually be a dick to anybody but like you say stuff like that and to us that's hilarious but like exactly. if you 
if you don't see the joke in that, like, don't work with me, bro. You're not someone I'm going to get along with. Yet. Like, it's just not going to work out. And and as a freelancer, like, you can just go pick up clients left and right. Like, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It takes work to go get clients. Uh, but it's not like getting a new nine to five where, like, you have to go send out 5,000 applications and, like, audition for it and, like, hope you get lucky um it's like there are a ton of clients out there they need copywriters like sure it'll take some work but i'll go find another one to replace you um and i've had stuff like that happen with ad agency clients back when i ran my ad agency i've got a client right now that i'm about to drop because he's just like a pain in the ass to work with um so i totally get that i think that's hilarious i think your are right though i think kind of the the whole journey as far as working with like in-house having like a basically a w2 online job and having like dickhead clients is all kind of part of it like it's 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 almost like an initiation ritual a hundred percent yeah it's like legend like going through that process it's like you have to deal with some shit to like be part of the club yeah um, and it also makes you appreciate like good clients so much like i've got I mean, I'll just say, like, I write for Caden and Trey on Twitter. I write for a bunch of other guys that are just, like, the coolest, best clients ever. Like, Caden and Trey, for the past three months, I find that was hilarious. I've sent them their invoice, and they're always, like, a day or two late, and they just apologize yeah. profusely for it. They're like, dude, our bad. Like, I was sick, and we were flying, and blah, blah, blah. Like, so sorry that the invoice didn't get paid within the hour. And I'm like, dude, from my ad agency, I still have a client that's owed me $9,000 for the past two and a half years, okay? I'm not worried about your invoice taking 24 hours to be paid, um, but they're the best. Like, they're so chill. They, like, every once in a while, they'll read my emails and be like, yo, this email is so fire, like, well done, keep it up. But they're not, like, reviewing every word I write. I, like, write, I send it, I have full control over that, like... Those clients are the best, but you don't appreciate something like that unless you've dealt with the client that like looks over every word, has you rewrite every email six times. And then like you send it and they're like, yo, why is the open rate lower today than the one two days ago? Like yeah. two days ago, we were at 36% open rate and this one's only at 32. What's going on? And you're like, bro, it's an email. Like, um, your open rate's not going to go up every email you send forever. Like you're bugging over nothing. And so you don't appreciate those break clients. So you deal with the shitty ones. Oh dude. Yeah. Uh, I had a guy, this was like one of my, when I was first starting, um, it was like before I even had a freelance client in the past and I was still kind of in the agency game. So I wasn't actively looking for it, but Mason sent this dude my way. He was like this wild, he was from Georgia, the country. Um, crazy. and he was like maybe an e-com guy or something i can't even remember what he what he actually sold but he basically he asked me for a picture of my driver's license before i even like like he wanted to send me a contract and all this stuff he's got a sales call with him and he asked me for a picture of my driver's license and then he sent me this like mental health test thing it's like a test that you you take it it's a personality test and it tells you like what toxic trait you have or like what mental illness you have <laughs> and so it came out and i was like a i was like a it came out i think it, it's it's not like a 
if you answer all the questions right, you don't have anything. It's like, what of these <laughs> mental illnesses do you have the most? And it came out that I was like a pathological narcissist. I was like, damn, I'm learning things about myself today. Um, the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then when he sent me the contract over and uh, he 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 replied to the picture I sent him of my driver's license. He's like, by the way, you look hella good in this. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? And I read the contract and it basically has like a list of rules. And it's like, if I don't meet these like KPI requirements, then I have to give him all the money back. I think it's like if I didn't get him a 2x ROI or something and like all the email rate all the emails have like a certain open and click rate i was like bro fuck this i'm not taking that i think going back i probably would have done it just for the vibes if that guy hit me up again today i'd be like sure buddy let's onboard <laughs> bro um, that is crazy so yeah i've had some i've had some weird ones but i i tend to get myself in weird situations like that i think probably the worst was i had a, a fitness coach client that I worked with for two months and I didn't realize until the end of those two months when he let me go that none of my links in any of the emails worked only in the tests because of the ESP he was using so I was like fuck I was not I wasn't subscribed not, not a, a single call was not booked in those two months and I was like damn and now Bro, I that's insane yeah dude Listen, it's it's part of the it's part of the trial, man. You gotta go through it. <laughs> I wish this were a video podcast so people could see how hard I was laughing, bro. That's <laughs> crazy. Oh my god, that that's similar. I mean, anyone that's been in this space for long enough has like made that mistake at least once. Sending emails for two months with links not working is crazy. But like everyone sent an email or a text campaign or run an ad with like the wrong link or like whatever. Um, we won't get into specifics here, but Mason's had a funny little screw up where he sent something in an email that probably shouldn't have been in an email. Um, so like, you know, it was deleted. Yeah. It was amended. It was, it was deleted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fixed pretty quickly, but we, we definitely won't dive into that one, but that just goes to show like everyone in this space, makes those mistakes at some point um i've worked with a brand that i won't divulge but they're very big they've got a huge email list like four or five hundred thousand people on the list and somebody at the company has sent an email uh with a button a big one single big button for a call to action with no link behind the button um to that entire list so it happens. And so now that person's like super careful about checking it. I'm generally very, very careful about checking stuff. Um, I work with Bader and Sanjay now at their agency, 94 Marketing, and I write a lot of emails for their clients. And I've probably said, I don't know, 500 emails for their clients in like the last four or five months. And we've had like one or two mistakes, maybe. Um, but like it, it definitely happens to everyone. It's just something you got to try to double check. And honestly, it's always funny. As long as you like don't get fired for it, it's always funny to look back and then like, yeah, I sent it with the wrong link or like the links didn't work. Like if you do it for two months and then you get fired for it, it's not super funny. But... Yeah, yeah. Then then you then you fucked up. 
But yeah, that guy sucked anyway. This is why I don't work with fitness coaches. I'm so particular about who I onboard now. I'm pretty particular too. And I've only been like running a copywriting business for, I don't know, four or five months now. I mean, I've written copy for all my clients forever, but it was really an ad agency. Uh, but now I've learned definitely to be particular, especially with copywriting, bro, because some people have wild expectations. Uh, like they think you'll just write like a ton of stuff forever uh, or they think like your writing can fix their entire business and just like crazy stuff um, so you definitely have to be careful about that but I think that's just something that comes with time like in the beginning you take what you can get kind of what do you think the fastest way for someone to get a client is if like they they've read the books maybe they've taken a course um, they, they have an idea of what copywriting is and they just want to get their first client. What's the move? The fastest way to just get any work in general is probably Upwork. What I recommend it as like a client, like your clients, like not really because they don't pay that well, but at least it's work. Second is probably Instagram DMs. That was what was fastest for me. It's what's fastest for copy MBA students as far as I've seen. Like cold email, if you're really go to email I guess it can work like but I think people just it 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 forces you to put too much thought into it I feel like every time you think you're you're losing in this game like if you have to stop and think you're losing if it's not intuitive you're you're behind already that's why like all the people who make a fuck ton of money in this space are like people who not only don't think that much when they're making money but think even less when they're spending it Dude, that probably sounds so wild to someone outside of this space. It, it, you probably sound like the dumbest human being on earth, but it makes so much sense when you've like actually made money on your own. That like the actions you take without thinking always produce way better results because you just do them. Like you literally just do stuff. And when you do get caught up thinking, you do so much less. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's like with email, you have to be like, oh, like how do I how do I word this to get them to open it? How do I, yeah. how do I make them want to click my Calendly link? How do I make them open my, my loom? It's like, shut the fuck up. If you're on a DM, it's like, Hey man, can you give me money? Um, <laughs> all the story. So yeah, it's so much easier. It's easier to send more of them. hundred percent. That's the fastest way to get your first client with anything. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. That's sick. Uh, now that you've made a little bit of money, you know, you, you've gone through the, uh, the gauntlet and you're running a good little business now what is it in the best use of money now that you've got some to spend honestly i'd love to i'd love to be like the classic money twitter bro and be like investing more money in my skills and investing myself um that's a lie it's just i mean when mason and i were growing up we weren't poor by any means but we also didn't have a lot and so really just the best use of my money has been experiences like i just i have so much access now like i can pretty much do whatever i want um if i if i really decide to um so i think the best use has just been like going to nice cities nice countries and throwing money around and buying my new car like that's that was my dream car so i was like fuck it let me get that just throwing money at whatever i can even like i did a video with my boxing coach um and i gave him I was going to give him $20 per body shot he could take with no pad on. I was just rocking him in the stomach over and over. And I ended up giving him like 500 
and then his dad wanted to do it and he said he, it was for charity so i was like sure i'll give him i gave him another 30 shots and i gave him like 100 or a, a grand and it just feels good to be able to like help other people because you really don't realize how little it takes from you when you have a decent amount of money to actually help somebody i'm not saying like everybody please dm me on twitter and ask me for money but i'm just saying like if you're making money use it to make your life better and to make the people's life around you better that's how i do it that's so sick that is a great answer and honestly probably the same answer out there like traveling buying a sick car and then like enhancing like people's lives yeah um, yeah that's super sick that's a that's solid great, answer uh, great example i was i stayed i stay at the same hotel um in miami every time and i'm i'm like good friends basically with all the employees there and there was one who was having a rough time financially and uh health wise and needed to get a ct scan done and was gonna have to wait like another six weeks to have the money i was like and she told me about this and i was like fuck it i'll pay for it and that could have been the difference between somebody like living or dying i'm not saying like i saved this girl's life because it came up clean like it was fine um but it's just good to know that i ha i can have like the the peace of mind knowing that i did what i could for somebody else too yeah yeah dude i have a weird perspective i've had a lot of money stolen from me in the past and like now i'm way smarter about my money and like especially crypto i don't want to go down that total hole but like i've had money stolen from me i've lost money whatever and my default mentality whenever that happens it's like sick like whoever got that money needed it a lot more than i did um yeah i mean that's probably like, a way to think about it it really enhanced their life and not only does that like keep me from going down this negative like path because getting money stolen from you is not great um but like genuinely like yeah i mean i have bills to pay and i like want to buy stuff and like live a good life that money helps you live for sure but also like i don't need like i don't need anything really all my needs are taken care of and that's not the case for everybody like if i needed to go get a ct scan i could go get a ct scan and pay for it and like not worry about it at all but like that's not the case for everybody and so i just try to default think like with the internet kids we've talked about this um, we had 30 grand stolen from us in crypto and like I just 30 grand would not make a big difference to Ben and I in our lives like split between both of us when we were the two owners 50 like 15 15 like sure it would be cool to have 15 more grand I'm sure Ben could go spend 15 more grand if he wanted to but like it doesn't matter to either of us but that dude that stole it to him that was probably the come up of a lifetime that oh, 30 yeah. grand i think he was in nigeria we don't like we don't know who it was we weren't able to track that down but we tracked a little bit of stuff and and i think his ip came up in nigeria so like buddy's now probably ruling the country over there like, he's probably he is, the of, of nigeria now absolutely and like not to to like be demeaning or anything but like he probably wasn't in the best financial position and like probably was a little less off than ben and i were unfortunately and like he needed that money more than we did like it's gonna do him more good um 
would I have liked him to have not stolen it from us? Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> but like, you know, that's just the try the way I try to look at that. And even like when I go out and tip, like if I have a great server, I'll try to tip a hundred percent. Um, so if a meal's fifty bucks, I'll tip them fifty bucks too. And to me, like again, that fifty dollars is pretty meaningless. Uh, but to them, like that could make their day. Like, cause pe people aren't tipping a hundred percent. I mean, people these days tip, like complain about tipping at all. They're like, oh, yeah, tip 20%. That's wild to me. How poor and also like the, the iPad thing where they turn it around. Like I always tip like 25 or 30%, even on that, even when they're not like serving my table for two hours and like doing all this crazy service. Because the exact same thing, like I'm not speaking down on service workers at all, but like somebody working at a coffee shop is not making as much money as I am, like just realistically straight up. And so that whatever, when I add $6 or $12 or whatever with the 20% tip, that going to them is like just more impactful than me getting another $6 or $12 or whatever. Like if you're complaining about them turning around an iPad and giving you the option to give them $5, like you've got bigger issues going on than like whether you should be tipping or not. Like figure out how to make more money. Figure out how to make six more dollars a month. Yeah, honestly. So you don't have to complain about this little iPad where you where you give them a little bit of money. So I don't know. I, that's going to be a hot take because that's like the one thing where everyone's like, oh, I'm not tipping on this iPad. All you did is take an hour to blow up. Like, pretty much everything's like that these days. And I understand what they're saying, but also like we're being poor, bro. It's, it's wild. What's uh, the best place you've traveled? Favorite spot? I know I was stalking your IG. You've been to Greece, Marbella, I'm sure a few other places. You spent time in Miami. What's the favorite spot you've hit? Marbella was sick. I like Turks. Turks and Caicos is cool. Marbella is like it's like my it's like everything you want Miami to be. It's like it's hot. It's a good party spot. It's not super super ratchet. Like the difference between like Miami Beach and like near the beach in Marbella, it's massive. Like there's still like everything you want. Like you get like the the new money, the old money's there too. Like. There's good places to drive. Like it's you don't have to worry about fucking losing your front bumper every five feet if you're driving a Rari. I'm not personally, but if somebody were, you know, it's like I don't know. It's kind of a perfect city if it wasn't for the socialist taxes they have going on over there. Um, not a yet, but other than that, like to travel, probably the best. Um, maybe Turks if you're more into the tropical island stuff but that's so sick to hear because Marbella is at the top of my list for travel never been i want to go so bad like a lot of the the money twitter guys have been out there have spent time there i think it would be a sick spot to do like a month long trip and like live and work out of um, rather than just like oh let's go for a week and like have fun like i could see myself staying there for a little longer like actually getting work done setting up um a spot for a little while i think that and bali are like the two places i really want to hit this year um i won't be traveling for the first half of the year but second half i'm gonna take off again for a little bit yeah dude uh 
it's definitely highly recommended. That's sick. The, I got a few more things I, I want to cover, uh, but one of the biggest things that I've seen just from hanging out with the guys in Miami, your brother, Ben, Sanjay, uh, and I also noticed when we met, and we didn't hang out a ton, but this was something I picked up on pretty quickly with you, was that you like really value being a regular at places and like knowing people in your city, knowing people um at spots around where you live and you even mentioned it with like the hotel you stay in in miami don't don't necessarily want to dox where you stay all the time <laughs> but uh we were staying in the same spot and like we got back and you were like yo i'm just gonna go like chill with some of the employees here uh, and i know you've tweeted about it here and there a little bit too at some restaurants and bars where like servers know you and like they'll have stuff set up for you before you even come in uh I think that's super sick. Can you just talk about like the power of being a regular at spots? Yeah. Well, I mean, basically if you're a regular at a spot and all the servers and staff like know and like you, you're famous there. It's the same gravity as like some random B-lister celebrity would have if they walked in. And it, depending on what ladder you want to climb, I don't know if it's just if you care about the social clout aspect of it or if it's like the or whatever it is, but all I know is I get served, I get treated like a fucking king everywhere I go. There's this like top tier Italian spot that's probably 20, 30 minutes from my house. And I just now got it locked down. Like I walk in, the owner is like, hey man, good to see you again. Your table's ready. I have like, there's the bottle that I always get, which is Booklico, just saying. I actually have four of them on my table over there. Um, and it's the same. I uh, he gives me the same server every time because she loves me and she loves whoever I bring and she's always super super sweet. She's an older older lady who's bad as hell for a seventy year old. Um, but yeah, like just anytime I walk in anywhere, even yesterday, I took my friend to dinner. Um, the hostess and the server both said good to have you back. I was like, let's fucking go. Um, and it just it makes you feel good, it makes you feel important, and you get way better service and you probably get better food. And it's just overall like a better experience going places. If you just, yeah. if you're never alone, basically. Cause if you go to a, if I go to a bar by myself that I have locked down, it doesn't matter if I show up there by myself. Because if all the employees are like, oh, like coming over and talking to me, then everybody else in the bar is like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, and then you can either make friends or you can, you know, make romantic ish connections. Yeah, 100%. How do you get that status? How do you go from like, oh, I've been to this restaurant once to like, I'm dapping up the owner every time I walk in? You go in, ideally, probably every time you ask the server for a recommendation on like something different, if you don't know any conversation start. But really all it comes down to is like, just making that first step in the conversation. Like you have to be the person to be like, oh, well, Take them out of their pattern when they're serving. Because most of them, everybody who's served will tell you this. They have like basically a script that they go through in their head. If you can take them out of that um, and be kind of funny along the way, they'll like you. They'll remember you. It's very easy for me because I'm ginger. There's only so many of us. Uh, so a lot of it is just, it just comes down to talking to literally every employee I'm not going to say like the corny book thing where it's like treat everybody like they're the CEO and you walk up to the janitor and you're like, hey, big man, 
what's your name? Like, don't be corny, <laughs> but if you want to have a spot locked down, you have to know everybody by name and make sure that they also know you by name. And that just comes down to spending time. Gotcha. Spend time, have good conversations, break the pattern. That's basically it. I just moved to a new city. I just moved to Salt Lake City in Utah, signed a six-month lease here. Uh, and that's one of my goals over these next six months is just like lock down a handful of spots. And I already have picked like probably three spots that I'm going to try to lock down. One, I'm conveniently like right across the street from like an outdoor walking mall with a handful of nice restaurants. So one of them is literally right across the street from my apartment, which will be perfect. Um, and then there are a couple other good spots. And I'm just getting like set up with this new city, meeting new people, stuff like that. Uh, but it's definitely something just from my time in Miami that I've seen a lot of the guys out there just have have done super well. Uh, and something that I feel like is such a minor thing that like normal people just never think about, but it can enhance your life so much. Like yeah. normal people just think, oh, I'm going out to eat. I'm going to get food. I'm going to come home. Like that's it. Uh, whereas like if you just think about stuff a little bit more, put in a little more effort, like I'm going to go out to eat and I'm going to like chat to all the staff there and like become friends with them and I'm going to go out to the same spot next week and like just put in a tiny bit more effort. The rewards for that like small incremental effort are huge. Oh, hell yeah, dude. And tipping good, obviously. But yeah, but that's you just like you don't even just need to make money and old tip good, bro. Oh, yeah. So this uh, next segment is new to the podcast. Never done this before, but I felt like you were the perfect guest to do it with. Um, it's called What Did You Mean By That? Uh, so <laughs> I've gone through your Twitter a little bit. I did this when I woke up this morning. <laughs> Found a couple solid tweets and uh, I'm going to bring them up. You can either expand further on them or explain kind of what you were thinking, where you were, the state of mind you were in when you tweeted these things. I shit um, a lot so I can only imagine what this is going to be. And I feel bad because I only have like three or four written down. I should have gotten more, but I was on a time crunch. Um, but these are some good ones. And it's also just a way for me to kind of highlight a few solid tweets you've made recently. Um, so let's just dive right into it. The first one, I'm going to read this. My ex's grandma found my TikTok. We'll start dropping more content about how much money I make and how many girls I have in my DMs. You flex on Instagram. I flex on Graham Graham. <laughs> <laughs> that last line's such a bar. It's so good. Is this true? Was it just a random shit post you made up? Did your ex's grandma really find your TikTok? She really did. Um, I could see, like, she viewed my profile. Um, my ex's grandma is pretty young, so she's hip. She's with the kids. You know what I mean? She's only, like, four or five years older than my mom. But yeah, uh, she did. And I so thought I have her number, her grandma's number. And I was so going to be like, hey, baby, like I wanted to call her. But no, yeah, essentially that was just that was just real life. That was I was just me tweeting some real shit. That is crazy. And is it true? Are you now making more content about how much money you make and how many girls are in your DMs? I talked about how... I took my 
girlfriend on a five-star vacation to New York. And then I took her to see my ex, a couple of my ex's favorite artists at Jingle Ball. Um, so that one probably stung a little bit. That's incredible. I feel like that's, that's so much more tasteful than just talking about how much money you make and how many girls are in your DMs, you know, having that solid post about the five-star vacation. Um, that's yeah. the move. It gets the same job done without being as douchey. Oh, yeah. All right. Next one we got here. Risen girls in the Centurion Lounge so I can find one that has a dad with a black card. Few operating at this level. Is that <laughs> is that the end game here? Are you really you you don't want to run a business? You just want daddy with the black card? Well, I would like to have both. Because uh, yeah. the thing is, you I, I my favorite Renee Lacod quote, shout out Renee Lacod, was there's no such thing as a gold digger, just girls that are out of your budget. And so I never resonated with anything more. And so since then, my number one goal, I love buying things that are out of my budget. That's like my main hobby. So I think if I can find a girl with a dad who has a black card, who's accustomed to the lifestyle, there's a better chance I find a girl that's slightly out of my budget and it makes me work harder. So really, it just it's it's uh it's an invitation to grind more. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I do like that. This one is just part of the tweet. It's the last sentence of the tweet. Few understand the pure joy of watching a coked out grizzly absolutely maul folks. What was oh, going yeah. on in your head when you tweeted this? That was also just me tweeting some real shit. There was a girl who I had been seeing for a long time, uh, mm -hmm. I'll speak exclusively. I would not text her the rest of the time. She knew I was involved heavily with other girls, uh, but she was just like, she was just a, like, she was like number one, like, it's Friday at 1 a.m., I'm going to see Jess. And that is her real name. Um, and good thing is nobody can find her because I don't follow her on Instagram because I don't know her Instagram. Um, and that's also not her full name that I just found out a couple months ago. It's not even Jessica either. Shocking. Anyway, we were, it was the first time she ever came over to my house because I had only ever been to her house. And we used to watch Breaking Bad a lot. And for some reason, I wasn't in the mood. And I saw a cocaine bear. And I was like, that sounds interesting if it's what the movie's actually about. Like, if this is, if this is just about a cocaine bear, I'm going to be happy. And I watched that movie with all smiles the entire time i've never been more just satisfied with a piece of film in the history of like my life because you get it, it's on the box it's on the label you judge a book by its cover on this movie and you are 100 percent right and you're fucking thrilled you're like this is just a movie about a cocaine bear it's just a bear that's on cocaine why like what's not to like you know yeah, I guess so. Uh, I remember seeing the ads for the movie and I thought it was like a joke. Like I thought it was like a commercial and that it was going to like cut to like progressive, like a bear could do cocaine and wreck your car, buy our insurance or some shit like that. <laughs> and when I got to the end and it was like in theaters, blah, blah, blah. I was like, there's no way they made that a real movie. Uh, but I've heard from a couple of people like, 
yeah, it's not a cinematic masterpiece, but it is an entertaining movie. So honestly, I might give it. It is a cinematic masterpiece because everybody else. This is a thing with movies, right? Is they like everybody's trying super hard. They're like, oh, we need to find a way to make the plot interesting and have like these weird twists and throw these viewers for a loop. Not this one. It's just a bear kicking ass and doing coke. And that's, I like to do that. I like to. <laughs> yeah, I guess sometimes just like a straight up, a straight up story is, uh, is the way yeah. to go. You know, there doesn't have to be some crazy plot list. It's not like, it's not even like a regular horror movie where it's like, oh, we need to find this ancient scroll to get rid of the witch so that the witch can get rid of the ghost that's haunting us. And it's like, nah, there's nothing like that. It's just the cocaine bear. Like, bro, the bad guy wins. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I'm going like, to have to give it a watch. Yeah, it's like the bear's on cocaine. Of course it's going to kill everybody. <laughs> All right. Last tweet we got here. If you resell used books and are anonymous, please do not be in my mentions. You are not a business owner. You are a dork. Hey. Again, I mean... The, the best thing about not writing Twitter content to funnel people to my business, because people who know know, like I'm kind of one of those guys where it's like, if you know, you know, I do, a, I do a lot of stuff. I get good results for my clients, but I don't get dopamine from tweeting about it. You know what I mean? I yeah. bring on a new client per quarter, probably roughly. My retention's great. And I don't really have to worry about like Twitter as a, as a use of, furthering my business which is what twitter used to be about it used to be just a bunch of guys being dudes and there was a there was a tweet a long time ago i can't remember who tweeted it originally but it was talking about like the money twitter lunch table like high school cafeteria like who are the cool kids who's sitting at like the dork table yeah and listen i have some some friends who i i love amazon uh, some amazon sellers um, I haven't met a whole bunch of them. Jackson, Miles, Billy, B-Flips. Great guys. Every other Amazon seller, I wouldn't, like, listen, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't let them, I would get a, I would tell her to get a restraining order on everybody who has FBA in their Instagram username. That is crazy, bro. Why? Because those guys are actually, like, I don't know. Every Amazon seller on Twitter has like some mental stuff going on. You ought to send him that task that uh, the Georgia dude sent you. I don't think incel was a result on it. <laughs> That's crazy. Honestly, I I love flips. I love Danny. He's not even really an Amazon seller. Yeah, Danny doesn't count. But, but uh, that that picture, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter a few days ago that. Um, Flims posted of like the Amazon seller meetup. Hilarious, bro. That was the lunch table. You should look at this picture. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was funny, bro. It's it, you can picture it in your head, like you know. But uh, shout out Flips, he's the boy. Shout out Danny, like, love those guys. They're cool. Um, I love the use of the word dork. I love that it like kind of came back and is, is. Cause it's such a good word. Like it's not hurtful or like harmful, but it is like, you're a dork. Bro. Yeah. You're just, you're a- just eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a solid word. That's basically all I got. I wish I had gone through your Twitter moldy pulled out more shit posts. Cause honestly, there's some gold in there. 
uh flex it on Graham. Graham is wild. Um <laughs> so that's kind of all I've got. Is there anything you want to leave the people with? Um that's a great question. At risk of making this suddenly educational again, um, I think I kind of want to put it out there that the only way you will gain clients as a freelancer is by crafting an insane product and just putting as much effort into being good as possible, which is why we talked about being an employee first and having that whole journey. The faster you speed run your way to 10K a month and having that be your only goal, the faster you're going to lose it pretty much instantly overnight because people talk in this industry. If you do a shit job for somebody who's considered a good client, like somebody who's connected, they'll tell people and you will lose opportunities faster than you even knew they existed. So focus on, don't worry about the word offer. Get the word offer out of your mind. Get really good at what you do and then learn other things and get really good at those and you will never be out of business. That's facts. That is so true, bro. In this space, like if you do good work, you'll make it. Like it sounds so simple, but it's true. And so many people are so worried about get clients, get clients, get clients that they forget to do good work. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's the problem I mean, with the agency model now. Yeah, 100%. Well, it was a pleasure to have you on, brother. I'm sure I will have you on this podcast regularly. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to start, now that I'm back, Internet Kids is back, Ben isn't running the podcast with me anymore. He's still part of Internet Kids, but um, he's doing other stuff. I'll probably rotate through a handful of guests that come on like once every two months or something, once every month. And I would love to have you on. This was honestly one of my favorite episodes ever to record and we've done a lot now uh it was hilarious i definitely am gonna go through your twitter for the next episode and dig up way more gold because you've got some funny stuff on there uh where can people find you if they want to read your shit posts and a nugget of wisdom every once in a while on their own you can find me at uh twitter.com forward slash v-o-c-e voce griffin g-r-i-f-f-i-n voce griffin city boy voce i just wanted to take a second to again say i put a ton of time and effort into these podcasts and i hope you guys enjoy them i hope you learn from them you're entertained by them the one thing i ask in return is you go to harryswales.com real quickly the link will be below and you sign up for my free email newsletter i talk about a bunch of crazy entertaining informative stuff i promise it's super super valuable and super entertaining it's totally free. Please sign up. That is it. I will see you guys in the next episode. City Boy Boche. Dude, thank you again for coming on. It was a pleasure. And we'll all talk soon. If you are uh, just finishing up this episode, make sure you subscribe, follow, like it, do whatever you can even do with podcasts. I honestly don't know what you can do with them, but do it. Uh, and we will catch you in the next episode. Peace.